Welcome back, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Chat 20, our Roll For It podcast um, chats, which we do. I'm here with Tom. It's been a while. Nearly forgot the name of it. Chat, <laughs> Chat 20, we did decide that. Um, good to be back. Yes, uh, my name's Lawrence, in case you haven't figured that one out already. Um, and we're here to talk about more D&D, as of course is the nature of this podcast. That's right. Uh, we've taken a bit of a hiesta... Hiesta. Um, hiesta. Hiatus? Hiatus, hey, hiatus <laughs> English. English is Sorry, uh, almost... <laughs> common. Good, yeah. It's like 1am here. <laughs> our brains are like, we just come back from the D&D game ourselves and our brains are working on half capacity. So should be an interesting podcast. But <laughs> it's all coffee, no, no <laughs> energy. And no energy or so. We're just hoping that the coffee high remains. <laughs> Um, but we've got a few topics to talk about tonight, and I'm excited to um, talk about these topics. Yeah, uh, yeah, look, they're going to touch on stuff I think we've talked about before, but that's all right. Because we will go on divergence and talk about something else. We, have, we did say it. this in the very first podcast. <laughs> uh, we could start talking about one thing, and then 45 minutes later, we've gone way off topic. So, um, oh, absolutely. Yes. And, you know, if we don't get through our list tonight, then... We'll just have to do another one soon. <laughs> so um, absolutely, and while we're doing a break, I'm hoping to get a few more of these out as well, just because um, I enjoy doing them. They're easy to do, and um, we'll get some content out. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. Um, just yeah, just for all you people that can't get enough, apparently, of D D D. Exactly, exactly. Yes. Um, but we've sort of been on the topic of player etiquette um, uh, recently, and it's sort of come up recently for us as well just getting a few um thinking about this and thinking about topics that what what makes a player yeah I think where we we've come to player etiquette because we were talking about what are some do's and don'ts as a player you know what you don't want to say good and bad player because you don't want to lump them into baskets but what makes a good player and what makes a bad player and what can you do or avoid doing yeah exactly to become one it's sort of like, you know, saying please and thank you at a dinner table, except in D&D terms, which is... Uh, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be the good player. <laughs> if you want to be a bad player, then, you know, you, you don't say please or thank you. You just say, bring it now, you know. About exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously, there's do's and don'ts, and no one tries to be a bad player, but I think people just get caught in, caught in a trap, I guess you know exactly they could be doing these things without even realising that they're doing them and I think the most important thing when we're talking about um, player etiquette and um, the etiquette at the D&D table so to speak is to talk with your DM uh, have those session zeros where you're Mm. just talking about what the expectations are of you as a player and the expectations of the DM I think that's right yeah Um, sessions we, we hadn't done too many session zeros and we've started doing them now and I think it really helps get everyone on the same page in yeah. terms of that because some games I think we were talking about this earlier some games are quite serious you know everyone takes it very seriously you know and then other games can be quite light hearted and relaxed and yeah. obviously if you're not you know if you can't be a serious player then serious games aren't for you but you can be a good player in a relaxed game yeah that's exactly right so you want to get a feel for the type of game running and uh um, as a DM you want to try and express oh look I'm playing this particular game I feel like it's going to be gritty 
is that um, gritty and a little bit more serious? Is that something that's going to be uh, works, something that works for you? That's right. Yeah, um, I think. Yeah, I think I said that. Opening that conversation at the, on the session zero of the campaign we do every second Wednesday. I think one of the first questions I asked everyone around the table was, "What kind of game do you want to play?" Yeah, exactly. Like, what are you in here? What are you here for? What do you want to do? You know, breakdown wise, combat exploration, role play. Do you want comedy? Do you want horror? You know, what are we? And it's important to set those ground rules because then players that will affect how the players should act and then how they will act yeah exactly um and then going on from session zero just like what things can you do it's one of the big points is making genuine attempts to turn up on time like i'm not saying that that's going to happen all the time life gets in the way you might be coming in straight from work you might be coming in um from a holiday or something like that and you're making your best efforts to be there but you may be a little bit late here and there that, that's fine but when you can make the, those genuine attempts to be there uh, yeah. for time yeah I agree like we're all I mean not everyone that plays D&D yeah. are adults a lot of the D&D community are adults and so we understand stuff happens you know yeah. you can't make it on time because you had to stay back at work or that kind exactly. of stuff understandable but if it's happening all the time and you know the group can't start without you and if they do you know you have to be understanding of it because um, the other thing too is uh, you, you're there for a limited amount of time sometimes games only run for like two to three hours or yeah not everyone can have big, um, you know four or five hour sessions some people just play two hours at a time it's being considerate to the, the fact that the DMs also spend a lot of time prepping especially if it's a homebrew world um, they'd be putting a hell of a lot more a time into it. Yeah. And they've planned out um, a exciting adventure for you or an exciting game for you. And then when you don't get the time to um, get through that, it can be a little bit of like a disappointment in a sense. Yeah, I think it... Yeah. So... It's not just showing up on time. It's just being present Yeah, yeah. at the time. Because you can get here on time, but if you're not fully invested, it's going to deflate you DM a little bit yeah that happens yeah. as well like yeah yeah we get like life gets in the way or something happens at the table that's unavoidable that, like you know work's called you or you, hmm. um, someone close to you has called you and there's a lot of personal issues it can uh, distract you from that again for good reason um, but if it's happening a lot where you're getting so you're coming in you're sitting down you're getting on your phone you're playing games while you're supposed to be doing um doing D&D and listening to the story and listening to the plot hooks and whatnot, it actually detracts from the game experience not just for you but for the DM and the other players too oh 100% and everyone knows the kind of person we're talking about we're talking about you're halfway through setting a scene for example you know you're in the tavern you know it's dimly lit there's a couple of guys in the corner and then suddenly another player on the table is like ah look at this meme I just (laughs) like start showing this meme that they found to other players on the table and detracting from the game yeah or it could be like a really emotional pivotal point which the DM's trying to um, hammer down or another player is trying to hammer down as well they might be um, it might be a reasonably new player or player that's shy and they're they're actually coming out of the comfort zone now and role playing a particular scene and then having someone at the table that's on their phone going oh hey guys look at this meme yeah is really detrimental to the person who's trying to come out of their shell at that time oh and that could be disheartening for them so it's 
You know, and it, you know, if it happens in combat, and combat drags enough as it is. Yeah. Combat's never quick, you know, unless you're playing with a group that really knows their stuff. Yeah. Like, if you're not paying attention and it gets to your turn and you have to be told, you know, two or three times, hey, it's your turn, and then you ask, oh, so what's happened? Like, <laughs> yeah. Again, it kind of, one, it drags everyone out of the game, and two, it, it just frustrates people. Yeah, exactly right. So yeah, um, and that's just being present. Like all well and good, you got to take a tech, you got to respond to a text, take a call, stuff like that. But you got to know what's happening in the game because if you're not there playing the game, and why are you there? Like yeah, yeah. So something you could possibly do to um, to help with that, if you're expecting important calls or important messages and stuff like that, is to be open at the table. Say, hey, look, I don't normally do this, but. Um, I am kind of on call with work or I am kind of expecting messages from work or from my family. I just want to keep my phone available if they call me. Mm. And then just that keeps the rest of the players and the DM like um, on side. It's like, yeah, okay. He might be distracted at some point or she might be distracted at some point yeah. um, with something on their phone. So long as it's a legitimate thing. It's, yeah. Like yeah. that. If you're just constantly on it, scrolling Facebook looking at memes yep you're not really invested in the game what are you playing the game for if you want to just scroll on your phone and look at memes do it on your couch at home yeah exactly right like yeah I don't know it's, being from, it's, it's a point of frustration like you said especially if you're a DM who runs a homebrewed world and the amount of work that you put in and when it, people aren't reciprocating that it does yeah exactly right sours the experience um Another thing too is try and have someone at the table who's prepared to be the table note taker or whether you just all take notes. Yes. Um, At least having a general idea of what's happening in the overarching story is always good. Like I've started giving um, inspiration points to one of my um, players who's decided they're going to be the... Um, the group note taker yeah. and because of the amount of effort they're doing to make those notes for the like recaps and stuff like that I said look as, um, you're doing that I'll give you a point of inspiration each time because they're actually helping with the recaps too yes which is a big uh, big help for me and big help for um, others at the table so, so I'm going to reward that with giving an inspiration for each recap yeah she's got a steady um, line of inspiration coming up. Right. So she's got a steady income of that. But it's well deserved because she's not only taking the notes, but she's using the notes to build a recap. And that's yep. um, going above and beyond what my expectations are. But because she's offered to do that, um, I'm going to give her something in return for that because, you know, it's just respectful. Yeah, 100%. And it helps me out a lot and it helps everyone else out a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah, that also falls into the being being present thing you know if you if you're if you're paying attention you're going to pick up what's happening and yeah but note taking is pretty yeah it's a pretty big one I will admit I probably don't do it as much as I should but I'm a player I've got a pretty good memory um, yeah it's when, I'm a, it's when I'm DMing that I should probably take more notes but we'll talk about that <laughs> we'll talk about that in another uh, in another podcast oh yeah Absolutely. We'll make one specifically for the DM etiquette because I feel like that's a whole different Ooh, topic. Yeah. There's a, a lot there too. Thing. Like we will, yeah. we've talked a lot in our previous podcasts about players, 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 but there's also some expectations on the DM as well. Now, there's another bit of etiquette that um, 
has happened recently in one of our groups and sort of made us sort of talk about this a little bit is being over the top with taking the spotlight, being greedy for the spotlight, or the metaphorical spotlight, I should say. Yeah. When they're, when they're constantly wanting to have their character do things, or they constantly want to have the character doing something. Yeah. Um, even to the expense of other people missing out on the spotlight. Yeah. We're, and what we're talking about is what those in the know call main character syndrome or you know the main character complex where one person it's a team game and inevitably you're going to get a group where one person not outshines but wants to everyone wants their character to be good they want them to stand out but if it's at the expense of your party and if everything is me 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 to the point where you're talking over other people and trying to get all the best stuff for yourself yeah. yeah and um it is an issue because then other people are kind of shut down or they they don't put their hand up enough because mm. they're constantly getting um shut down not necessarily intentionally they're not really doing it in as an intentional thing but as a byproduct of what they're doing yes yeah um as an indirect consequence that's right yeah. so yeah it's it's like the old you know single player game versus multiplayer game did is a multiplayer game you know yeah if you want to if you want a game where you're the main character you get all the cool loot and kill all the bad guys just go play skyrim <laughs> go boot up your xbox and play skyrim or find a dm that wants to do a one-on-one session yeah like, you're here yeah. to be part of a team you're here to be part of a team everyone at the to... table needs equal opportunity to have their say mm. and try cool things and also try to find that unity of course there's going to be some amount of in-party conflict until they find their feet and where um and find how their party works and get to that point where they're like yeah we need to work together mm. um but that's what i'm trying to do at the start of games now it's like in your backstories i'm happy with whatever you want to do but um, you need to have a reason to adventure with the party. You need yes. to have a reason to work collaboratively with your party. If your backstory entails, oh, I'm a solo person, this is who I am, I'm going to do everything on my own, I don't really care about my party, well then I'm not going to really be permitting that style of mm. backstory. I would say, look, I like certain aspects, let's keep them. But we're going to compromise here because you do need to work together with the party. Yeah, and that's uh, that's the thing. Don't, like we, yeah, don't get me wrong. In, conflict between party members happens mm. naturally. You know, you get strong personalities and people don't agree on things, and that's fine. But you can't you can't be going out of your way intentionally to antagonize your other players, yeah. the other players in the group. You know, you got to build a character with the intention of being part of a team. Absolutely. Especially so. if you know you're going to, you know, you know ahead of time that you're going to be in a group. You know how many people <laughs> are going to be. You're not showing up to D&D like, oh, I thought I was playing alone. So I've made my sneaky rogue who doesn't like people and hides in the shadows all the time. Like, which you can be that, but you have to find a way for it to fit. It's got to fit and it's got to work. And I think that's a conversation that you need to have with your DM and the other people at your table. Yeah. Um, because if you are trying to play your edgy... Um, edgy character that's very very untrusting that doesn't want to doesn't really want to work with anyone else 
um, if you want to maintain that the whole game, you're going to actually um, struggle quite a bit because you're going to realize how much you actually are required mm. um, to participate in the game. And if you're not, you know, and if you are being that kind of person that wants to go solo and do whatever they want without thinking about the team, then you're going to find yourself alienating the rest of the group. Yeah. Or being alienated by the group. Yeah. And yeah. like, you're going to find that they're going to return the favor if you don't want to help them or you don't want to assist them in anything that they're doing or be a part of what they're doing. Well, when it comes to it, they're not going to include you. They're not going to go out of their way for you. That's right. Um, and it gets to a point of toxicity where um, your character might go down in combat, need their death save and stuff like that. The healers in the party are just going to ignore you. Yeah. And like that's when you know that um, you've actually been ostracized by the parties. They're not going to go out of their way to try and mm. spare you in any way. And um, that's the problem. And then the problem point. there is, you know, it, it becomes a snowball effect. Yeah. Is the animosity is going to grow because you've been doing things that have pissed off your other party members, players. And so they make an out-of-character decision to not help you in-game. So then, of course, when you bring in your next character, your next character is automatically going to be antagonistic against the party because you as a player are annoyed at what they're doing. So it just it just goes out of control. And toxicity breeds toxicity. It does. Now, yes. If one person's being toxic at the table, it does spread without people realizing it. Oh, like, 100%. Um, you don't even know that you're starting to like get upset with a particular person, so you start talking about them mm. and what they're doing and how it's upsetting you. Um, when you should be talking to them specifically about it. Yes. Um, that can happen. You can talk about like. Um, than crossing over in-game and out-game, out-of-game consequences. Mm. So, like, just what we talked about with um, not healing a party member because you don't like how they're playing their character. Yes. Um, and that breeds a sense of, like, isolation or um, ostracization of others mm. um, and sets up the rest of the, the rest of the people for a toxic... Oh, uh, and 100%. Toxic. Like, if it's... Yeah. And then, you know, you play you, you players in the party that just want to have fun are suddenly caught in this unpleasant environment where one person where it's all stemmed from one person not being able to play as a part of a team and then it can just yeah it can just spread like a wildfire exactly as you said and it doesn't make a good experience you know no one if it gets to the point where you're coming to D&D &D and you, you know you're not happy like then you you know that's not good like no um and that's exactly what we're talking about with it being a team game. It is, a, um, in its essence, a social team experience. Mm. You're coming in to work alongside others. Yes. You're not there to work against them. You're not there to um, just be your own self and not worry about anyone else. Um, you're there um, to be part of a team. Yes. And when you start to look at the bigger picture... And not uh, and include yourself in like the team working aspects, then you find that it all just flows, and you find that um, the game experience for everyone is elevated. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Like cohesive players make a cohesive party, which just you know the teamwork improves, the storytelling improves, everything's better for it. But it's got to be equal. 
yeah, like 100% exactly. equal with all players getting the chance to shine and do their thing. Yeah. Um, so that is the team working side of it. And I think that's a huge part of the etiquette because at the end of the day, it is the team working game. So mm. if that's not a part of your own etiquette, consider either making it a part of your etiquette or looking into games where um, it is just a smaller amount of people and they do encourage maybe like a competition, like competitive style d and Yeah, um, there is, there, only some I'm group, sure, yeah. you know, and if you can't find that, become that DM then. Yeah. If you're a, a player that likes a game where everyone, who, no one likes a game like that, but if that's your goal, become a DM and make your own group and do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Don't, yeah, don't, don't bring it to a table and just, you know, ruin the vibe. Exactly. But don't, don't bring it to a table and ruin the vibe. And um, yeah, it's important to have those conversations with everyone and with your DM yep. and understand what the expectations are. That's right. Um, oh, that's why I've started making those just rules with the backstory of like, there's got to be a reason to work together. Yeah. Whatever it is. Um, then that helps not only everyone at the table, it helps you and it also helps the DM too. The DM's going to have a lot more of an easier time getting you involved in the group ah yeah there's nothing worse than when you're playing and this happened in a few of the games I was in when I first started playing D&D and there's nothing worse than you know oh you all meet in the tavern and then you know you just you go kill some rats for like a local farmer and then it's like alright cool we killed the rats we got the gold so what's the point of us staying together like yeah yeah so yeah that's your little cheat your little like cheat code is you know find a reason to be working as part of the group yeah exactly and um and I'll do that edge lord oh I'm not going to uh work because I don't trust the party or like I don't really trust them so I don't have a reason to follow them um well that's why you have a built in reason mm. whether it be for gold um that's your incentive whether it be because you're seeking adventure and you're seeking that um, sort of teamwork and you're, see- uh, you're seeking that, or if it's simply that you've got um, an ulterior motive, but it's easier to achieve it if you work with the team. Mm. Um, and that's how, when I build with characters, I do that subconsciously when I make backstories for mine. When I'm, in, when I'm playing in other games is I'll give my character... This is the reason why he wants to work as part of a team. Yeah. This is the reason I want to join the team and why I'm okay like being with them and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, that's your main character syndrome. Toxic player kind of thing. On a smaller scale of that, I think also to be a good player, you just have to be comfortable with hearing No. Yeah, taking no for an answer. Yeah. 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 Like, and we're not saying don't come up with crazy ideas, mm. but if you come up with a crazy idea and your DM says, mm, no, accept yeah. it. you got to accept it and yeah. move on. Um, and not hold that as a grudge. And for DMs too, it is okay to say no. There are some wacky ideas, and as creative as they are for players, sometimes they're too game-breaking or sometimes um, they're too overpowered. Oh, even um, if they're not overpowered, if it's if you don't want them to have it, don't yeah. do it. It's your world. It's like... 
It's like when people exactly. say, "Oh, I don't want my I don't want my players to be this particular race." Well, then tell them at the start. It's yeah. it's your world. You know, it's your game. You know, ah, oh, I want this for my character. You can't have it. Oh, but I really want it. Well, no. Sorry, yeah, no. It, no, you can't. Like, and if they don't accept it again, and it's just too bad. It's yeah. um, so being open open to compromise is another thing as well. But also taking no for an answer, and sometimes being open to a compromise. Um, yeah. Sometimes there is an opportunity where it's like, look, I can't do that. However we can change it to um, this and then I think this will be a little bit more fair for um, for the game world we're in plus it gives you a little bit of that yeah yourself and that um, and again if they argue no 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 it has to be this well then you can say no yeah because um, it is your world but that's right um, yeah so taking no for an answer and also being open to compromise yes where it comes into yeah. place um, and that's that's another thing I've had in games before is people going oh can I have this can I have this and they're like uh, oh yeah, no and they're like oh what if I try doing this and they, they try to get it but they try a different approach the answer is still no and then they try and try again yeah um, and they're just not taking no for an answer no that's matter how right. you describe it or how um, and you can entertain it as much as you want like it's happened in my campaign I want this oh okay cool like do a couple of do a couple of checks, you know, roll some dice, but you know, no, it doesn't succeed. Oh, well, I'm going to get it eventually. So eventually, I'm going to stop letting you try, and I'm just going to say, no. Yeah, yeah, you're, exactly. You're not like, yeah, and it tends to as again be that be that player that wants to always have cooler stuff than the rest of the party. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, um, it gets to a point where it's just over the top and it's too much. It takes away from the game experience for everyone else because they want to get on with the story. Meanwhile, you've got this one person that's going, I want this, I want that. Yeah. So, like, yeah, just yeah. And the rest of the players will, will inevitably kind of become jaded. Not jaded, they'll just become disillusioned, you know. They'll just tune out because, you know, this one character, this one player is constantly just... Doing everything, doing what, everything. doing what they want, trying to get what they yep. want. Yeah, yeah. That's another yep. thing. Obviously, we talked about being part of a team, but not talking over other people. For the love of God, <laughs> don't. There's yep. enough going on at a table, especially when it's your turn in combat. Especially then. Um, too many times, like, oh, okay, it's now your turn. They start to speak and tell the DM what their character's doing. Then someone goes, oh. Um, whilst before that happens I want to do this oh actually I forgot to do this and they speak over the top of someone else yes and yeah. that is almost painful even not like, in combat like not in combat even when you're just doing exploration yeah. someone's like oh like a, a car- like one player will go oh I'm going to go into this room and have a look and then another player will be like oh I'm going to check the door for traps before they go through it it's like yeah they've made their decision like yeah exactly yeah um, like yeah I'll go with them I'm going to go in before them actually it's the expression first in best dressed that's right uh, my parents said that all the time to me as a kid so I and it's like my- I, I read it I read it on reddit funnily enough ages ago there was there was a post and it was very divisive it was like 50-50 split down the middle of people loved it and people hated it there was a DM who ran initiative for exploration 
and interaction. So even when you're in a city, say when you're in when you're in a tavern or when you're in a, a general store buying stuff, it would be in initiative around the table. All right, what do you want to say to the to the shopkeep now? Oh, I'm not going to say anything. All right, cool. Next player. Rather than everyone just talking over everyone else, they did it in the initiative style, and that way each person gets their turn without talking over someone else. That's an interesting strategy. I've never thought of doing it. Well, half the people really loved it, and then half the people hated it because obviously, if you've got a lower initiative, then you're never going to get to go first in conversation. But in that case, as a DM, you could just flip it, and every now and then be like, "Oh, we're going to start from the bottom and work our way up." Yeah. So, I think there's pros and cons to that. I think one of the one of the cons is like it's more effort for the DM to track initiative not just in combat at this point but also exploration uh, but a positive is that everyone gets the opportunity to say something yeah. without being interrupted by another because there are yeah, there are players who are going to be better in social like the social situations like when you're trying to get information from a tavern keep like from a, from the owner of a tavern or you're trying to get information from some townsfolk and stuff there's always going to be one or two players on the table that are better at that kind of thing but yeah. If, yeah other people need to try as well so either that or I just like to keep track in my head of who haven't I heard from in a while and then I'll yeah. be like oh okay Jeff you know you haven't said anything yet like what do you want to do <laughs> like I think sometimes as a DM like we'll go into what I like to refer to as teacher mode <laughs> teacher mode that's when s- someone begins to interrupt someone else just hold your thoughts for one second and then um, someone else hmm. the person that was originally speaking speaks and stuff yeah. like that the best way but is bringing we'll people that. up on it yeah. we'll come back to that we'll come back to that we'll get to you that you know Jeff is talking right now yeah we'll get to you Mikey but you know we'll do Jeff's thing first so that's why I mention it as like teacher mode because uh, it's sort of similar to what a teacher does but at the same time it's if people are doing it consistently I think it's good to bring them up on oh. the, not not rudely or condescendingly but in a in a way that's like oh just one sec we'll get uh, we will get to that um, so and so was talking yeah um, and just bring them up on it because like they'll go oh I didn't realise I was speaking over the top my bad and then yeah. they'll like uh, then they'll go through a conversation that might actually bring them up enough to go oh I probably shouldn't speak over the top of people so what we're saying is treat your players like children yes it'd be really really sometimes you have 100%. to sometimes you have to it, it's it's common courtesy if someone's talking you don't talk over them but it happens all the time at D&D tables um, all the time and yeah it's just being self aware and being aware of others at the table mm. um, social awareness they call social it. awareness you have to be at, yeah yeah I'm, I'm not saying everyone has to be a genius at reading people's facial expressions but like you need to understand when you're making people if you if what you're doing is making people uncomfortable or mm. maybe you know have a little bit of yeah social awareness to be like oh actually I've been talking a lot maybe someone else wants to go at the same time too there is an exception to the rule there's there's one one exception and it is going to bring up mental health a little bit but there are some mental health disorders where they're not picking up the same social cues um, as oh, there is. may do and that's perfectly acceptable as well it's going to happen 
but consider um, letting your DM know or letting others know that um, you may be struggling with those side of things. Mm. We may be struggling with that aspect of the game. And naturally, um, when it happens, we're going to be understanding of that. Mm. Um, and be understanding that you might not be picking up on the same cues that other people yeah, would normally pick up. There's people out there that have absolutely no social or emotional awareness. Yeah. You know, and they say, you know, match, when you're talking to someone, you should match their energy. There's people that can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and there's going to be people in your group that can't do that. So, you know, you just got to be cautious of it. And sometimes, yeah, just, just tell them, hold on, you know, let Stephanie finish. I'm just making up names now. <laughs> let Stephanie, let Stephanie, let Stephanie finish and then we'll get to you, Katie. <laughs> you know, or, oh, I'm going to go to the... I'm going to the blacksmith to get him to sharpen my weapon. Okay, we'll go there next. Like, <laughs> we're in the middle of something right now and you've just... <laughs> brrr, straight over the top. Um, so that was a bit of a tangent. Um, so those are the big things. Um, I think that pretty much covers most of like a lot of etiquette we were talking about. Yeah, I think the only other thing I would mention is just small stuff you can do to make your DM... You know, to make the game... Not actually your DM's job easier. Just make the game flow better. Yeah. Um, it's just simple stuff like have all your stuff ready, have your dice out, you know, pay attention. No, you don't... Obviously, it's it's hard when you're playing higher level and you're a wizard with 40,000 spells to remember. Oh, God. But no, yeah. at least try and know your character. Know your character. Know your character, know your abilities so that every time you rage you're not you know you're a barbarian it's like I'm gonna rage and then you have to go and look up rage like oh okay so it gives me plus two to damage yep I think it goes for like ten rounds but I'm not sure know your character start to know your character know your abilities know you know maybe I'm nitpicking but know what know what damage die you know most characters use the same weapons yeah. You're a barbarian with a great axe. You've had a great axe for the entire campaign. You should know your damage die. Of course, if you're a new player, this is all going to be brand new and like you don't have, not expected to know these things off by heart. Uh, but as a new player, I recommend too that as you're playing, you've got someone there helping you. Also, take the time to go home and look at the um, player's handbook and look at the character, uh, the race and the uh, class that yeah. you're using. Knowing the rules. Too. Um but that's a big one that's that's a big one for another time but and yeah you, you just point out something well like pretty good like I probably wasn't factoring in newer players a lot of people we play with are more experienced or have been playing for I know at least two or three years and they still every time they go to use an ability like I'm going to use this ability okay what does it do oh uh, let me take five minutes out of the playtime to go and have a look. I was guilty of that at one point because it was sort of like halfway through the session we are making a character and this is a brand new one that's uh, come out from one of the more recent source books and I like it has some pretty cool features so I was like oh I've actually never seen this before. Yeah. But um, that was because of a limited time thing so I didn't have the chance to read through that. However when you do know that you need to create a new character um if you're experienced you should already know this but make sure that you're like looking up on how your character functions even if it is brand new to you if you have time um 
look at what their features are and what they can do. Yeah. Um, for new characters, this is probably a good thing to do. Like, um, and if you have questions, ask your DM or ask another more experienced player that might be able to help you. That's right. Um, and it's, again, it's a team game, so you're not trying. You don't have to hide anything from your fellow players. Yeah, and you might. And don't be afraid to be like, oh, can you just explain this to me a bit better? Like, what does this do? Yeah. We all have to, you know, we all have to jump on Google at some point and google the definition of a bloody ability or something yeah it's you have to do that all the time when a player says something that like um, they're like what and they're like, yeah. okay i'm just gonna quickly check to see if that is how it works and occasionally yeah like occasionally is fine if something pops up and you don't know what it is or but if it's happening all the time with the especially with the same spells and abilities so like with the wizard mm. with the level 20 wizard with four thousand spells you know where you're. You know what turn you are in combat. Yeah. So two or three and you turns know ahead. Missile does. Yeah. You know. Two or three turns ahead. Start looking at your spell, so that when your turn comes, you be, you could be like, "Yep, I'm gonna cast Burning Hands. It's a 15 foot cone. Does I don't know 3d6 damage or whatever it does. But you know." You've looked at like, two or three turns before, so you should yeah. be... You know, like Circumstances could change. You know, it could get to your turn in combat and you don't want to cast that spell anymore, but nine times out of ten, you, you know... And that comes back to the etiquette of what we were saying, like being present. Yes, knowing what's happening. So knowing what's happening. So even though you might be looking through your spells and stuff like that, and it's someone else's turn in combat... Try and be aware of what they're doing as well. And like, oh, they killed that guy. Or, oh, they made that guy run away. Or they did yeah. this. Or something like that. Where you need to be aware of it happening so you can adjust accordingly. Yeah. So be aware of what's happening there. And then as um, it's happening, you are adjusting what you're doing. Yeah. There is... Um, yeah. You don't have to be a tactical genius. But, you know, if you're paying attention during combat... And you're like, oh, I'm going to fireball that group of four guys over there. Mm. And then suddenly they disperse. If you're paying attention, you've still got a couple of turns like, oh, well, fireball's not going to work now. So what other spell can I use? Okay, let me see how it works before I use it. Now, this strategy in like DMs, please be aware that this is only for experienced players, not for new players. I would never do this to a new player. Uh, but for experienced players, what you can do is like if they take too long, um, trying to decide what they want to do you go okay cool you now spend your um, turn dodging yeah and yeah like heaps um, of, I'm sure heaps of people have tried to introduce a timer but you know different skill levels and stuff but that's a good one that's why like, that's only for experienced players yeah. I'd never do that with um, newer players because they're still getting the grasp of how things run and it'd be really really unfair for them to ha all of a sudden have that taken away from them yeah um, but for more experienced players the players that you know should know better mm. um, and have done this long enough and have played their character long enough um, giving a time limit to their turns makes sense because in like a real sort of situation yeah. it's all happening at once you're not going to be like oh oh there's what do a, I yeah, do there's here? an orc oh, like shoot. there's an orc right in front of you with this, with a warhammer out the bat to strike you're, you're going to take five minutes to decide what you want to do yeah exactly so you're not going to stand there watching the hammer go down very slowly upon your head and go like oh shit what do I do uh, panic uh, yeah let me look at my three pages of abilities hold on I can transform <laughs> I can transform into a fucking bear and then do this and this and that and yeah yeah it just makes sense um, at that point like yeah okay cool you hesitate and you don't know what to do so you dodge just know your stuff 
Um, or the other solution is do what some DMs do and give the party a minute at the start of each round of combat to strategize and then the turns go bang, 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 bang. And there's no strategizing between turns. Exactly. And which I think I've trialed that and I'm probably going to bring it back because combat's already a slog. <laughs> and so when combat's already a slog and then it takes the wizard 10 minutes to decide what spell they're going to use, common problem. Everyone has it. Yeah, there's always a wizard at the table. Yeah. There's always that one wizard that's like, um, just bear with me. There's a thousand, oh, what is this That's it, yeah, yeah. Oh, I could do <laughs> cloud kit. No, no, I don't want to do that. Um, oh, I've got this other spell. Uh, no, how many, how many dead bodies are around? Yeah, like, and while that's happening, the other players aren't involved in that discussion. So that's when they're likely to pull their phone out and start scrolling and zoning out. Exactly. And then they're going to miss important details. So, yeah. So, moral of the story is, obviously, if it's a newer player, there's leeway. Take your time, learn your character. When you're more experienced and you've been playing the same character for uh, long enough, and I don't know what's long enough that changes per person, but if you've been playing the same character for months, you should know your basic abilities. Exactly right. When you level up and learn a new ability, fair enough, but... I don't know, maybe I'm expecting too much. We, It's just when the game slows down is when people get distracted. And when people get distracted is when they're not present. And it all feeds into one. Yeah, exactly. Um, that was a tangent again. Oh, that was supposed to be a small point. There's just so many <laughs> tangents in this already. Like, that was supposed to be a small point. Know what your abilities do. And we just waffled on about it for 15 minutes. So. We can uh, we could talk D&D until like... The cows come home. The cows come home it's pretty much. So it's been a... Um, it can go on for hours. The other thing too that I was thinking about... and I, I played a brand new character tonight as I mentioned. But I absolutely love the character that I built because it's got this unique thing about at 12 a.m. every night he does mm. but here's the thing he respawns every hour um, and it's a curse so to break this curse he has to find um, a particular person kill them and that will alleviate the curse and the re- um, he's a warlock unborn uh, what's the word yeah, unborn I was going to say unborn Jesus that's Christ. scary <laughs> That's another that's another character design. We should definitely try that. <laughs> Reborn. Unborn. Jesus Christ. This is what happens at 1.30 a.m. <laughs> um, but a reborn mm. warlock. And is cursed to do that. And the other players were shocked when they first revealed it. We're, yeah. on, we're on a boat. <laughs> right? So we're all level ones. So we're on a boat. Um, we rescue this old man that was um, stuck uh, swimming... Um, swimming out from a shipwreck uh, from an island where his family was dragged into by these fucked up crabs anyway we didn't know this at the time so he, he gets hauled back up into the boat and we finish talking to him and I was like yeah right st- uh, I'm going to hit the hay see you all in the morning I walk down the steps and I slip and I fall down these steps and break my neck quite horrifically mind you and everyone's like, yeah, cool, he's dead. And I was like, yeah, dead. Um, so they wheeled me into a room. About an hour later, I came back alive. They didn't know this at this point. Um, and then in the morning, 
they all come out ready to face the day with one party member down or so they thought and then I, out I walk and I've just twisted my head back into position um, and snapped it back in place and got rid of a bone that was hanging out of my mm. neck so each time I die I carry the wounds from what has killed me so I progressively get more and more fucked up yes so I've been having a lot of fun role playing it's, this it's you've you've, been, you've only been playing the character for an, like an hour and a half two hours and it's already such a unique concept yeah that there's a lot of potential for it to happen and um yeah that's a good point like we we, could, we should probably talk we've talked previously about making engaging characters and stuff like that but what are some little things you can do to make your character more unique with it? Exactly. and this feeds also into what we were talking about previously about wanting cool things for your character they don't always have to be material goods like magical items or something cool you know yeah. if you want your character to stand out just give them like a quirky little unique trait or something exactly I've mentioned it like in a number of different podcasts but um, use your personality traits your ideals your bonds your flaws utilize them they fall and I'll be honest and those are things that you do regardless of if you think about them or not you subconsciously do them so flaws bonds ideals uh, they fall by the wayside like barely anyone uses them anymore I think I don't think I think they're underrated. To be honest, I, I've started to use them more and more because it keeps your character interesting, but um, it helps you to like refer to what your character would do in a particular situation more. It does. It probably consistently. Yeah, it I probably suppose. stops those players that have a habit of falling back into the same thing tropes. And yeah, um, but you know, you give your player flaws and stuff just just subconsciously all the time, anyway. But you do, but uh, I guess that's a difference in opinion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it happens. Like, giving, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Right, like, yeah, th- th- it is a quick and easy way to give your character something different, unique, crazy. Um, what are some other things you can do to kind of give? Um, I actually quite liked another player. This has actually inspired me in some ways to like uh, continue to create these interesting quirks and uh, character traits. Is um, one of our characters has amnesia. Yes. And forgets everything each day. Every and day, yeah. She's currently tinkering with the idea, so she's got muscle memory and stuff like that. She's, um, she has things tattooed on her body to remember um, important information. Mm. Um, but she's been role-playing it really well. Now, can that have particular flaws? Sure it can, but I suppose that if... You can tinker with it to make it less mm. um, arduous later on. Yes. So, um, but it's a unique uh, character concept and it could actually work really well. We have another one that's um, completely non-combatant. And, uh, like when she's in a normal stage, she's uh, this high-class lady or so she believes. Um, he's completely harmless. Uh, when it comes to combat, you know, she's clinging to someone else. However... If she rages, she uh, explodes into this massive Leonin, which is a... This is a bit of a unique um, trait that was... um, I think it's homebrew? Oh, look, it's... um, It it was something that... It's an idea in the game. Um, It's something that I kind of agree to with the player, is that they're a Leonin, but 
they're cursed so <laughs> they think they're a human uh, and then when they rage they transform into this whole yeah. lion and then when they when combat's done and they calm down they transform back into their high class prim and proper human self who would never harm a soul <laughs> so it's like this duality you know Jekyll and Hyde almost kind of thing yeah yeah um, I can see where that was inspired from cause we well yeah I from. was going to bring that up in terms of unique <laughs> characters is I'm playing pretty much the exact same thing in your Curse of Strahd campaign is I'm a perfectly innocuous innocent looking farmer man uh, with, a, with multiple personalities and when he's threatened or in danger you know a more psychotic personality takes over and goes crazy <laughs> and that's yeah and that's how you can you can you can use your class to give yourself something unique um so yeah I mean I guess we just need to list off a few tips for newer players or people that are people that just help people get out of the, the rut of making the same character over and over and over again yeah exactly because I was in that spot at one point I think I was making just constant fighter after fighter after fighter and you know they were all kind of like tragic backstory Ugh. but it's like there's ways to be unique without just having a tragic backstory yeah I don't mean to hammer this point home but I think that's where the like personality traits bonds ideals come <laughs> just as a template now remember they evolve but as a template it's like just sort of oh no no look it's, and it's good yeah <laughs> which is why I think you're over it <laughs> like oh I'm like yeah we <laughs> We should just do it. We should just do an overrated or underrated D and D edition. hundred percent. We like overrated, or underrated personality traits, flaws, bonds, and ideas. Oh, underrated, so underrated. I think what we should do on our very next podcast, Tom. I think we should create a character, both of us. Describe the character. Describe what their quirks are, what their personality is. And we will leave it to you, the listeners, to decide who has done it better. Ooh, um, <laughs> Yikes. It's on like Donkey Kong. Then uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can do. <laughs> I won't use any personality, personality traits, flaws. Because we're like, oh, I'm a big... I'm a big orc that likes to smack things really good. <laughs> I ain't got no bonds, ideals, or flaws. And I'll make one with them. And we'll see which one but has done it better. You also don't get bonus points just for making an edgy, <laughs> an edgy warlock who's... Um, <laughs> I'm not going to give up my idea because I've already, <laughs> I've already got one brewing up in my head. Alright, alright, alright. I'll create one. <laughs> so, yeah. So the follow-on from character uniqueness will be in the next the next <laughs> podcast. We should just create it. We will create it live at the time. Oh, uh, yeah, we can we can try and do that absolutely yeah, from scratch <laughs> instead of having time for, before the, the the podcast to do it. Oh, 100 percent. We should be doing it during the podcast. We'll do it live we'll, on we'll the make podcast. It. Yeah, thousand percent. Um, and going back to character uniqueness, because we did go on a tangent. That is going to happen. I'm determined that's going to happen, but we, before we divert into competitive mode, we'll yeah. go through some helpful tips for you. Know, for yeah, your I think use your yeah. My number one tip would be pop culture. You know, everyone watches movies, watches TV shows. You know, you've seen a movie in your time. You know, has there been a particular movie where a character stood out to you for any reason? Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, that's 
inspiration you could draw on. You know, if you watched a movie with a character who had a phobia of something, you know, that's another yeah. unique trait you can give. So utilizing phobias and phobia. actually um, giving your characters and reminding yourself and role playing it when you come across those situations. So yeah. If you're scared of deep water, maybe you're very, very reluctant to get on a ship. Yeah. And maybe that is a constant source of fear for you. Um, I think the funniest one referring to phobias was... uh, It was a while back now, you ran myself and another player through a one-shot that you'd done for um, the convention down in Canberra. Yes. The Feywild one-shot. And I played an orc druid who was squeamish about bugs <laughs> that's right yeah, but, yeah. but her first reaction whenever something threatened her was to cast infestation <laughs> which causes bugs <laughs> <laughs> and so it would be like oh shit and like throw bugs at someone <laughs> and then and like oh fuck bugs <laughs> like, and I guess that's yeah now I'm thinking about it that's a unique character like yeah yeah and uh, when you make those unique characters, they're, they're what people talk about. They're memorable. They're memorable. And they're memorable to the party. And it's all well and good to just play your classic, like, oh, I'm a paladin. I'm, you know, I uphold my oath. I'm going to smite the bad guys and do what's right. But, you know, even you can even play that character, but just give them something. Or, like, even big allergies. Just flavor them up. Oh, yeah, allergies. Yeah, yeah. like, you make this um, orc barbarian that goes into a rage when he gets hay fever. Like, he sneezes, and that instantly makes him angry that he sneezed. <laughs> and that there's pollen. So now he's angry, his nose is congested, and he... <laughs> Everything's going wrong for him at that point in time. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, it, can be, it doesn't have to be game-breaking. Yeah. If you want to talk to your DM and set up a little mechanic for it, you can. But... You know, yeah. And this is something controversial for a lot of you, especially the power gamers out there. Is sometimes be brave at giving yourself a flaw that might temporarily nerf something. There so, like, if you're scared of open water, maybe you have disadvantage on um, Constitution saving throws against seasickness. Hmm. Or maybe you have disadvantage on um, certain attack rolls because you're scared of falling over the side of the boat. Yeah. So, using the roleplay sense and not being too afraid of nerfing a character a little bit. I'm not oh, saying, yeah. Um, no. I, that's, yeah. That's I used, a really good tip. Because some of the most memorable things that we've had happen in our games exactly. is when, you know, is when the player kind of... You did it recently in the Wednesday campaign before your character died is you'd been through some stuff and so suddenly your character wasn't sleeping very well he, you know he, he you gave you, you self-imposed levels of exhaustion on yourself yeah because and actively said that to you as well as yeah. like, look I've deprived myself of sleep I'm, I know I'm going to get an exhaustion point yeah. but that's how, how my character's and that's it and so that's the thing it. is like don't be afraid yeah mm. like I know some and again it goes back to how do you want to play d d if you just want to if you just want to smack shit really good and roll really high on all your damage rolls, cool. But it doesn't make an interesting story. Yeah. 
And I think you'll find more enjoyment from your characters when you allow them to have those little quirks. Oh, yeah. Uh, it doesn't always have to be a negative quirk. It doesn't have to be a phobia. But I think it's always good to have one negative uh, quirk in there. And I think you can balance it out with um, uh, maybe an interesting or a positive quirk. Yeah. And they can create such good, such good turning point moments as well. Going back to your example of a character who's afraid of, you know, afraid of water. They're afraid of drowning. And, you know, you get to a pivotal point in the campaign where one of their party, one of their fellow party members has just been knocked unconscious and fallen into the water, say. Mm. And, you know, they can break through their floor and dive into the water to save their fellow player. And you won't give them disadvantage. Yeah. And that could be such a powerful moment where the, where the, the player character realizes that they can get over their fear of water. Exactly, and nothing is set in stone. So just because you have a particular flaw, or have a particular phobia, or something like that, doesn't mean you have it for the whole game. Yeah, um, and it doesn't doesn't mean that that's not the only flaw you can get. Because during the game, you can get flaws. Yeah, like just like my character getting the pinging noise constantly in his head. Yes, yes. Um, that didn't happen at the start of the game. That was not a flaw I gave him. That was a flaw he developed um, through the course of the game. That's right. Um, for various reasons and happenings within it. Yeah. Um, and that happens too. You can give yourself flaws or maybe it's given to you. And DM, yeah, the, the DM has the discretion to give a player character a flaw. Yeah. You know, whether or not the player character role plays that flaw is another thing. But, and that's that's... Um, that's the thing. Like as a player, try and um, try and utilize that. Try and use that because you find that you'll get more enjoyment from your character yeah. when these flaws are coming through, um, and that's going to become a discussion point. It's going to make your character unique. It's going to make your character interesting yeah, and I would, different from the other person. Yeah, I would say definitely lean into it. You and know, um, if you're, especially if you're not the kind of person that's good at setting boundaries, like setting flaws and stuff for yourself. Yeah. If your DM goes out of the way to give you something interesting to play with, play with it. Like yeah. that sounded bad. Um, <laughs> down bound, <you laughs> down bound. Play, play with it. <laughs> um, sorry, children. Add in Brazen's title. But we digress. Yes. So yeah. No. Go. You know. Some of the best moments we've had have been pure character moments that are brought yeah. on by interesting just interesting dynamics interesting flaw, flaws I guess yeah look flaws bonds and ideals are probably underrated in that <laughs> <laughs> yeah see um, I think it's just something I do in my head so yeah. I, I never write them down on a bit of paper but I know my character doesn't like fighting things until he gets cranky but anyway yeah um, yeah probably the number one tip there for creating a unique character is giving your character it's nerfing your character in a way giving yeah. your character something that makes him not perfect yeah because you can play a perfect character if you want but it's not fun but you know nerfing your character doesn't mean that your character is useless or can't um, can't engage in the same it doesn't way. have to be game breaking it doesn't you have know? to be game breaking it doesn't you know? have to nerf it to the point where they can't do anything it's like you know you have, you have characters that's afraid of spiders there's not spiders in the game at all times mm. all the time but you know it could just be if you're in a if you're doing a dungeon crawl and you fight some giant spiders up until recently I played a goblin alchemist or which I called um, shaman for mm. um, backstory and roleplay purposes 
um, up until recently was a pacifist. That's right. And that um, came on purely from something that happened in-game. It exactly. wasn't something he had from the start. It wasn't something I had from the start. It's something that happened in game. I killed a minotaur quite brutally, quite brutally, um, and to the point that that even concerned me. That even concerned my character. I should say, not yeah. me as Lawrence. I knew as Lawrence. I knew exactly what I was it getting. <laughs> <laughs> it concerned a couple of people at the table. When you <laughs> graphically okay. described stabbing it. I think they were worried about me as Lawrence. Stabbing it in the eye with its own horn. But that was such a pivotal moment too like that absolute brutality oh. and then your character was like holy shit what did I just do like yeah. I, I never want to do that again and you buried your weapon and became exactly. a pacifist became yeah. a pacifist and um, I just went around as a support character yeah. I went around healing I went around doing that kind of thing um, I wasn't by any means um, scared or uh, weak I just Not. went into that sort of support role Rather than that sort of fighting role, yeah, and it worked well. You did it well. Like the party, it, there were some dicey moments, but you played the the pacifist support role really well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the only pivotal pivotal change is when something else in my backstory came up, and it came to um, yeah, that's hill right. giants, which killed out my entire um, clan of goblins, my entire family, um, and that's when that inner rage came back out mm. and I couldn't hold on to my pacifist beliefs that's any right. longer. Yeah. But um, that's all in-game situations that are constantly changing your character's views and yeah. uh, beliefs on things. And the same thing in life. Like, we're constantly changing our views and our beliefs because of experience and circumstance. That's right. Yeah. Um, same thing in-game. You're the experience and circumstance that you come across within the game is going to change how your character perceives the world around them. That's right. You're not a cardboard cutout. Exactly. You're an active um, member of this world and it's dynamic and it's constantly changing and you're constantly changing within it. Yes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, there are a few little points. Be open to... Um, yeah, like if you... your character a little bit. You know? Yeah, and if you're... If, you're on, if you don't... If you're not probably confident, I guess is the word I'm looking for. If you're not confident enough to give yourself a floor or something like that to work with, uh, just ask your DM, you know, oh, what could I do to make my character more interesting? Because they'll have an idea. Exactly. There'll be something that they could feed into the campaign, you know. Um, oh, you know, well, maybe there's a dark, there's something dark that happened in your in the backstory and you're afraid of clowns. Now, if you're a aspiring DM or an experienced DM um, or a brand new DM, Think about rewarding your players each time they utilize mm. these flaws or utilize these quirks in a, um, in a manner that's, you know, is showing that they're coming out of their shell a little bit or they're, um, they're feeling more comfortable in um, doing these things. Yeah. That's why giving them inspiration is so important. I use this, what's called a stackable inspiration. Yeah, I was just about to say, we should probably mention the, the inspiration system we use. Exactly. Obviously, if you're giving out constant DM inspiration, which gives advantage, it's a bit much. Mm. But the system you use, the system I use is there's a max of fifteen that you can have, but they don't expire. There's no expiry on it, um, and the D sixes. So every time they get inspiration, they can get multiple. Um, they get a D6 to add to this pool. And they can use as many or as little as they want from that. They can't go over 15. 
but say it's a real they've been playing for a long while they've racked up a lot of inspiration die they've finally got to that number 15 and it's a really important role that they want to make it may be convincing the town guard that um, they're not the bad guys or that they haven't done this particular deed or whatever it is and it's like it's a pivotal for the party so they're rolling this persuasion check and they're like look I just need that little bit more assurance I'm going to roll all 15 you can yeah. do that oh hell yeah and you know what? That's probably going to succeed unless I roll on that one. Um, it's going to succeed because they've rolled so many numbers that they're guaranteed to get a minimum of 15 with just the inspiration alone. Yeah. Um, oh, what are the odds of getting 15 ones? Don't, <laughs> don't even start. Uh, it would happen to say <laughs> I've rolled four net ones on the D20 in a row once. It's no, so, I don't know how logical the... the yeah. So no. So yeah. So if you yeah, reward your players, mm. especially because rewarding a player for good role play and you know leaning into their stuff, leaning into that stuff, it's going to inspire other players to give it a go as well. Yeah, and even make a point of saying like, oh here, have an inspiration because you just played your character so well, or you stuck to that flaw that your character has. Then that's going to make the other players think, oh if you know if I start doing that, then I'll get inspiration. Yeah, and exactly. Using the D six method of giving a D six inspiration as opposed to advantage, it doesn't make it overpowered in either way. I think. Yeah, and I think look if they've saved it up to fifteen, and then there's one big moment they roll all fifteen. They've they've earned that. Oh, it's cathartic. I and yeah. They've, they've earned that big roll. They've earned that um, guarantee of a good roll at that point. Yeah. Because yeah, they've not used the dice throughout they've just stocked it up and stockpiled and stockpiled until now they finally get to use all of it and they um, it's rewarding for them to get to that point because like yeah they've earned that um, inspiration they've earned that successful um, well at the start of the last session I did of my Wednesday campaign exactly that happened is mm. uh, Rhiannon was trying to convince you know the, the general of the army to let them go and I think she rolled like a seven <laughs> <laughs> on persuasion but she had three inspiration die and she was like yep. I'm just going to roll all three of them because I want this to succeed and that's what's good about it exactly yeah as opposed to just saying oh I've got an inspiration here I'll have advantage it helps you more reliably affect the outcome of a roll yeah 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 I think it works well for us um, hopefully it works well for you but like, it differs from DM to DM but um I find that works really well, but the point being is reward your players for role-playing their characters and for trying things that they don't normally do. Yeah. Um, and make sure that you make a point of trying to be aware of them doing this. Like, yeah. know the players around your table, know the ones that are usually quieter than others. So when they do step out of their comfort zone and they do sort of, like, um, gain their voice, reward that. Encourage that. Make it... Um, Make a thing out of it, in a sense. Mm. Um, give them that moment because that's going to inspire them later on. Like, oh, cool! I do this, and this happens. Mm. Um, you yeah. really want to give the carrot for that kind of stuff. And it's all, yeah. And I mean, I guess the final, yeah. The most important thing to remember is character moments, proper meaningful character moments, are what makes D and D what it is. Mm. Combat's good. Combat can be fun. There's other systems you could use if you just want to play, do combat, but it's 
proper authentic character interactions and moments that invoke the emotion from the players and yeah. the best way to achieve that is is to be unique and and play into these flaws and stuff and yeah and the best way to achieve that is to reward your players when they do it well exactly um, I think we've come to the end of this uh, chat for this session but we do have um, our sponsors our very real 100% non-fake yeah. uh, sponsors from Baldrick's Emporium of Oddities and Curiosities which is definitely a legit shop that we didn't just make up for the podcast um, mm. for entertainment purposes only no definitely not wink wink <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's going to be that one person that googles it you know <laughs> hey if you, hey, need, if you need to put a random magic item <laughs> shop into your world Baldrick's Emporium of Oddities and Curiosities copyright no <laughs> you L- can definitely uh, LLC no PTT I don't know it's like Propriety, you know, proprietary limited. limited. That's what it is, yeah. Um, and today, let me tell you, have you ever wanted to see the stumps of your feet walk on air? Yes, actually. Wow, how did you know? That's exactly what I want. Because I've been dreaming about that for the longest time. And you know what? Baldrick has done it again. He's finally made the boots. They're invisibility boots. But I thought you said, see the stumps of your legs. Why would I want boots that make me completely invisible? Ah, but that's the thing. They do not. Only the boots become invisible. And thus, make your feet look like stumps. It's like walking on stumps on air. Exactly. And who doesn't want to do that, right? That's That's every child's wish and dream. Exactly. Can you imagine... Being a performer at a children's uh, birthday party and you rock up in those boots and they go invisible, you will be the best. Wow. Yep. So I'm tell our listeners at home, uh, Lawrence, how do they get a hold of these uh, invisible boots? Not to be confused oh. with boots of invisibility. Exactly. Which, full disclaimer, is an issue that other companies may have had, but they have forgotten the... <laughs> The perfect rule is if your boots are invisible, then they are the invisibility boots. If your boots make you disappear, then they are boots of invisibility. That's it. Terminology. It's in the the wording. So how can our our listeners get a hold of these invisible boots? Well, absolutely. At your local delivery service, um, you may put in a letter... Um, requesting Baldrick's Emporium of Oddities and Curiosities to deliver you a very um, your very own set of invisibility boots for the low price of 10 gold pieces that's right 10 10 gold gold pieces pieces. it's a steal not only that for a limited time only if you were to purchase one of our boots we will send you one for free that's right two for the price of one no way yeah, and now these ones come in a package completely invisible. The boots are already invisible? They're already wow. invisible. That's right. That's they're so such a heroin. bargain. And the boots are definitely in the box when they're they come, They're definitely right? in the box. You can put your yeah. hand in there and rummage around and there they will be. But uh, 
Um, you got a hundred percent guarantee of there being a second pair of invisible boots that are already invisible. Wow! So for the low price of ten gold pieces, you get one set of boots that you can see until you put them on your feet, and then you get another set of boots that you can't see at all. Exactly. Wow! Um, it is a fantastic time to be alive. Let what me tell a bargain! You. What a Baldrick's Emporium of Oddities and Curiosities. Um, so we need to make sure that we're giving them the love and giving yourself the love by treating yourself to these brand new set of boots. Um, you will not regret them. Um, no refunds, team. Um, <laughs> TNC is a product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. TNC is a product. Refer to the product disclosure statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, that, yeah, I think we've run out of time now. That is our podcast session for today. We have run over an hour so enjoy an extra long um, talk tonight yeah, and remember our tonight. next session we are going to create those characters on the fly yes. um, we'll devote that entire podcast episode for that sounds I think good. yeah sounds really um, good and then we shall put it to you guys and what you think is the better character design and I'm not talking about power this is not min-maxing I'm talking about character design as a whole and that includes role play We'll go over the... Um, That's right. We'll go over the rules before, rules. before, yeah, the, exactly. next, before the next one. Anyway, I am out, and may you always roll nat 20s. 100%. Bye.